Praise indeed to you, Lord Christ. We ask that you would open your word to us, that we might behold wondrous things in thy law. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. We just read a story about Jesus' hometown. We just read a story of David and a hometown. We read a psalm by the sons of Korah about a hometown. I'm not sure what memories you have when you think about hometown or perhaps about the 4th of July. Maybe it's barbecues. Maybe it's the Coney Island hot dog eating contest. Maybe it's, maybe it's baseball. Um, those are childhood memories, but they're not my memories. Um, my memories are slightly different. Uh, I have a friend who's English, and um, he would say to you today, Happy Thanksgiving Day. You see, this is the day where they give thanks that they got rid of us. <laughs> but we call it Independence Day. We all love our hometowns, or at least I think we do. We have these nostalgic memories of them. But what we see in this story of King David, the story of Jesus at Nazareth, is three things about love. We love freedom. We love independence. But we also know that love frees us. We love freedom. In 1580, Peter Prevat sailed from Calais, France to Virginia. He is one of my great-great-great-great-grandfathers on my mom's side of the family. Peter Prevat was a French Huguenot who was trying to worship God the way that he thought God wanted to be worshipped, as the Bible tells us. He was a Protestant, so I know some of y'all may not like those Protestant folks, but we are the Protestant Episcopal Church of the United States of America. But he left because he wanted freedom to worship. And he didn't experience that kind of freedom in France. In fact, just 10 years prior to that, there was what was called Black Bartholomew's Day. It was a, a day drenched in sorrow where nearly 3,000 um, French Huguenots were, were killed because they wanted the freedom of conscience to worship the way that they felt was appropriate. You could fast forward a couple years, a couple centuries later. In 1905, Louis Tepper, a young Jewish man, came from Ukraine, escaping the pogroms of Tsarist Russia. If you're not familiar with what a pogrom is, a pogrom was a systematic um, destroying of Jewish shtetls or ghettos or towns. Louis Tepper was fleeing that oppression to a place of freedom and opportunity. We all desire freedom. On July the 4th of 1776, King George III is reported to have written in his diary, nothing important happened today. Granted, it did take about a month and a half for news to travel across the pond. But on the other side of the pond, a bunch of Americans sat down and wrote a declaration of independence. In this story of King David, we see King David being anointed for the third time as king of Israel. The first time King David was anointed uh, by Samuel, and Samuel anoints him as a little young shepherd boy. 
the second time he is anointed as king of Judah, and then this third time he's finally anointed after Saul dies and after Ishbosheth, um, Saul's son, dies, and he becomes king. We see this desire for freedom. You see, Israel was surrounded on all sides by Moab, by Amalek, by the Philistines, and they were longing for a leader to bring them freedom. We all love freedom. I'm sure that if we walked down Orange Avenue here and we asked 100 people, would you like more freedom or less freedom? I, I highly doubt that anyone would say, I'd like a little bit less freedom. I think some of us might like a little bit more economic freedom. Some of us might like a little bit more social freedom. Some of us might like a little bit more emotional freedom. We're all a little bit bound up. We're a little bit anxious. There's very few people who would say, I would like to be unfree. But here's the problem. Here's the rub. When Israel chose or asked for a king, they came to the prophet Samuel and said, please give us a king as all of our surrounding neighbors have. Samuel was crestfallen, and he went to the Lord, and he said, they're rejecting me. And the Lord replied to Samuel and said, no, Samuel, it is not you they are rejecting. It is me they are rejecting. You see, we all want freedom, but we also all want independence. Oscar Wilde wrote this. He said, a map of the world in which there wasn't the country utopia would not be a, a, a map worth having. And once we arrived at this country called utopia, we would discover that it isn't what we wanted, and then we would need progress. We all want freedom. We all love independence. The problem about independence is that it is very self-centered. It is very me-centered. It's very you-centered. The Swiss philosopher Rougemont, Denis de Rougemont, put it this way. As he was evaluating Europe after having gone through one, one, one world war and then a second world war, he wrote this, love ceases to be a demon when it ceases to be God. Loving your neighbor is important, but you will never learn to love your enemy until you learn to love your neighbor. That's what today's colic tells us. But here's the thing. You and I can't love our enemies unless we even start loving just our neighbor. And by that I mean even our flawed country. It's flawed. Guess why? Because it's got people like me in it. It's got people like you in it too. It's flawed, that's why. Except for, you know, it's got Josh too, and that makes it kind of perfect. But in order to love our enemies, we need to be able to love our neighbors, people who are like us and people who are completely unlike us. I mean, that's what makes this a beautiful country. My father, when he uh, was growing up, he went to a university in, in the north, actually. And it was 1968, and he was the first Jew in his fraternity. 1968, folks. This is way after 
way after Brown versus Board of Education. It's in the North. It's not in the South, right? Contrary to all the things that we think about. If you want to love your neighbor or your enemy, you need to learn to love your neighbor first. But we have this problem with independence. The problem is that we have taken love of something good and we've made it, we made a good thing a God thing and that's a bad thing. When a good thing becomes a God thing, that's a bad thing. But love will cease to be that demon, as Rougemont told us, when it ceases to be God. And then you can actually love your neighbor because th that love of independence that you have will cease to be the, the paramount idea in your life. You'll be able to finally be free. You see, David establishes his new capital for Israel in the city of Jerusalem on Mount Zion, if you will. A little hill, a little promontory overlooking this valley in central Israel. 158 years ago, on a little hill in Pennsylvania called Little Round Top, near the city of Gettysburg, a man by the name of Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain sat on the left flank of the Union Army of the Potomac. They had had a chance encounter with the Army of Northern Virginia. The Army of Northern Virginia, commanded by General Lee, had punched north out of Virginia and made its first foray into the north. And the United States was engaged in a bitter struggle. 250 years ago, nearly 250 years ago, our ancestors signed a declaration which said that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And when I meet Thomas Jefferson, I'm going to compel him to write a sequel and include women in that. Oh, wait, no, that's not how it goes. That's how Lin-Manuel Miranda puts that version. But the point is, is that even the promise of our Declaration of Independence was not there for everyone. And so we were engaged in a bloody struggle, a war which would take the lives of more American soldiers than any other war combined. And I'm not ta saying take the northern troops and the southern troops and put them together. Take only the, southern, the northern troops, the Union troops. And if you add together every single one of our wars, the War of Independence, the War of 1812, the Mexican-American War, the Spanish-American War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Gulf War I, Gulf War II, all of those numbers together, you will still not even come to the same number of casualties that were suffered only on the Union side. There was a song that was sung during that time, and it says, as Christ died to make men free, let us fight to make men free. Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain on that little hill in Gettysburg on July the 3rd, 1863, held the left flank 
After three days of fighting, General Lee's Army of Northern Virginia was defeated and had to retreat back into the South. That was a decisive moment in which freedom was gained for many here in the United States of America. You see, we all love freedom. We all love independence, but our independence can enslave us and enslave others. Our self-centeredness can enslave ourselves and others. But lastly, here is the beauty of it all. We love freedom. We love independence. But only love can free us. Jesus calls him 12 disciples. And I love that that passage is put side by side in our lectionary to the forming of Israel with King David. You see, Israel had 12 tribes. Jesus calls to him 12 disciples. And he says, I'm forming a new kingdom, a new kingdom that is greater than the kingdom of Israel. And he sends them out two by two. Preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Bring eyesight to the blind, freedom to the captive, and declare the year of the Lord's favor. The kingdom of our Lord brings freedom. On another hill, on another time, year after, years after King David conquers Mount Zion, on a little mount called Mount Moriah, also called Calvary, there is a man crucified with a sign above his head which says, King of the Jews. You see, his kingly rule is not one which is that of a tyrant. His kingly rule is so gracious that we will choose to submit to him. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, at the end of time, we will either say to God, thy will be done, or God will say to us, thy will be done. One is heaven, and the other one is absolute hell. That independence from anyone and everyone else, that self-centeredness that we need to be freed from. In the story of David, the people come to their king and they say, bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. It's covenant language. And then it says that, that, that King David then makes a covenant with them. You see, we are about to come to what is called a covenant meal. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many. Do this in remembrance of me. Psalm 48 talks about the city of the great king, Mount Zion. It's paralleling things that we read in Isaiah chapter 2 about how all the nations will stream up to Zion. And I love that, the word stream. No one, streams don't go up hills, they run down hills. In fact, the word that Isaiah uses isn't even a stream, it's a waterfall. The waterfall is running up a hill. But you see, this king, King Jesus, he is reversing 
the gravitational pull of our heart. He's turning our self-centeredness, our love of self, into the love of neighbor. That is what Jesus Christ does for us on the cross. This day in which we celebrate freedom, this day in which we celebrate independence, may we celebrate dependence upon the one true king whose reign and rule will set all free. We ask, Lord Jesus, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would flood our hearts, that we would love you, that we would love others, and that we would bring the good news of your goodness and your kingdom to bear everywhere we go this week and the rest of our lives. And we ask this all in your name. Amen.